Hi guys! Hey, this is another episode of Creativity in Focus. And we are going to highlight another amazing artist. This time, a fiber artist. So sit down, grab your latte, share this link. Of course, every time you share, you help us get the word out about these artists. And just enjoy. My guest today is fiber artist Alison Harding. Hi, Alison. Hi, everybody. Hi, Shahar. Hey, so good to have you here. You're in beautiful Oregon, right? <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about you. How did you get involved with arts and fiber? For probably when I was about six years old. I still remember it was a bright orange acrylic scarf. Uh, I think it took me at least two years to knit it because I remember working on it after school with my third grade teacher who uh, tried to teach me continental knitting at that time. And I said, oh, no. <coughs> now I wish I had listened to her. <coughs> um, and then from and there? Then, uh, my mom bought me a treadle sewing machine, and I started sewing. I've always done knitting, needlepoint. Excuse me, I need to cough real quickly. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so sorry. It always happens um, when we're on camera, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I guess I, I've been doing some sort of fiber work all my life. I've done costume design. I've sewn for my kids and myself and my family. Um, off and on, uh, probably most recently is spinning, and that was six years ago when I picked that up, and I just went right down that rabbit hole. I love it so much, and it brought in all the other techniques and allowed me to, I'm learning more and more about the wools, and I just love teaching. I, I All along the whole way, of exploring fibers I've always taught. When I worked as a nurse, I taught. I taught when I was a costume designer uh, at a school performing arts. And I'm finding that that's where my true, true love is. I get so much from the teaching. Every time I teach, I learn something new. That's cool. And tell me one thing, do you play with other things besides fiber? Oh yes, I still sew, I spin, um, I play ukulele. Oh, really? I still love theater, and I try to help out with uh, theater costumes whenever I can. I have several friends that are still in, heavily involved in theater, um, so all of the arts, uh, and then gardening. I love gardening, and living here in the Pacific Northwest has been very interesting for me. I grew up in New York State, so oh, the other the, side having a longer winter. <laughs> and I love to travel. My husband and I are fixing up the old 70s Airstream, and so we travel all over the place. We were down in your area just two years ago. Oh, how cool. You know, my, my Airstream is actually on my bucket list. <laughs> I find them so fascinating. Oh, they're so much fun. Ours That's is an old painted one. We love it. <laughs> That's cool. And you have, do you have a farm? Because in, the, in your business no, name, so you have the farm. No, so that's interesting. Okay. 
Yes. Well, so fleabers was my grandmother's word for all the little bits and pieces of fuzz and snips of paper. Like if you tear out a notebook sheet of paper, those little pieces of paper, those are fleabers. And she said I was just always making fleabers, always, because I love to make things. So when I was trying to come up with a business name, Fleabers was my nickname, and that stuck. Curiously, um, Fleabers itself, Fleabers.com, was taken, so my husband suggested that I add farm to it because okay. it kind of relates to the fiber. And as he said it, I, may, I raise a herd of Fleabers every day. <laughs> so that's where that came from. That's I do cool. have a dog. Yeah, I have a dog, two cats, and ten chickens. So I sort of had a, have a farm. And I have a lot of fiber. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before we go on, you have to tell me the type of dogs and cats you have and their names. Oh, okay. So my dog is Ziggy, and he is a purebred scruffy black dog from the pound. <laughs> uh, the, the vet says that he's probably a Bouvier de Flanders, mm -hmm. which is um, a cow herding dog, and they herd by blo body blocking instead of nipping. Oh, cool. Uh, and, and I have watched him do that with the cats and the chickens. Um, my cats are one black cat and one, uh, he's a gray tabby cat. Earl is the gray one for Earl Gray, and Poe is the black one. And they are brothers, uh -huh. and they're completely different. And my chickens, I have a mixed flock, and they're of different ages, and they're so much fun. They're so easy to take care of, and I just love their fresh eggs. Oh, that's cool. Now, yeah. before we show your pieces, I would like to talk to you a little bit about the business side. So tell me exactly what your business does and, you know. Okay. Um, primary, at this point, I primarily do in-person shows. Um, my last one, for example, was the Columbia Gorge Fiber Festival where um, I had my booth set up and I sell fibers, uh, raw fibers and dyed for spinning, felting, um, some hand-spun yarns, um, dye kits, and then I teach. So at that festival, I taught uh, dyeing skeins of yarn for beginning dyers. Mm -hmm. I taught uh, a mini version of the thread plying class that I'm going to be doing here for all of you. And um, a mini version, just the first part of the felting class, the Nuno felting with silk hankies. Wow. And my repertoire of classes changes all the time because I'm always coming up with new ideas or a guild will call me up and say, hey, come and teach for us. So I love to travel and teach for guilds. Uh, I, I just finished uh, my studio. It's not quite set up, but I plan to be teaching here in my, my studio at my house too. My husband converted our garage over for me. That's so cool. So, That's a nice husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that means that now I can move into online sales because I have a good storage place and uh, room to die in more uh, production amounts. Mm -hmm. And how long ago did you move from New York to uh, Oregon, right? Oh, gosh, I think I've been out here almost 20 years now. Oh, okay. So you're yeah, aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. I go back all the time because my family's still there. That's cool. Do you have some of your Nuno pieces to show us? I do. So here's one right here on the rack next to me. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a layered ruffle piece that's got um, silk in it too. You probably can't see it very well in this light. Um, 
This is a, a piece that will show you. Can you see that okay? Yes. This is, um, I don't know if you can tell by the shadows, but these are actually little holes, holes. in the fabric. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, here's another one that uses a similar version of that technique. Okay. Beautiful. I'm trying to get it in the light so you can see it. I'm wearing one, and this will be the first thing that we start with. Sorry, probably looking at my head a lot. Um, this is the Nuno felting with silk hankies. And maybe if I just hold this, you can see the shimmer in that, mm -hmm. the silk hanky. Hold a little longer. Sure. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, and here's some other versions of, of that. And these just depend on how you manipulate the silk hankies. And they're very lightweight and soft. Um, they're not heavy and stiff. Yeah, that's yeah. That yellow is very pretty. Yes, it is. And so uh, all of them that you show so far are wearables. Oh yes. Okay. Yes. Um, in fact, that's what I'm going to concentrate on is wearables. And then uh, maybe at a later date, if we want to do something three-dimensional. But these techniques will translate into three-dimensional pieces, too. Mm -hmm. um, this is another one called a cracked mud technique done with resists. Oh. So these are this separate layers here mm -hmm. and lots of different wools. So uh, we'll spend some time talking about what wools work, what fibers work for felting and what don't um this one is a very my one of my favorites yes it's, um, beautiful more three-dimensional mm -hmm. and we'll go into that you can see i've used some long locks of tease water here on this one nice for free um here's another technique that's layered colors and then you can see the edges on this one i've cut afterwards mm-hmm Beautiful. Lovely. With felt, you don't have to worry about anything unraveling. <laughs> this one is a nice bright colored piece with all the interwoven. Mm -hmm. Is that a scarf? This is a big shawl. Oh, look at that. A great big wrap. Beautiful, beautiful. And we'll even, I'll even talk about um, fun things. With this one, you can see... I've added pieces of lace mm -hmm. and crochet pieces. I don't know if I, I'm having a hard time seeing in the light. I hope you can see it. Yes, but can we you can. see there's pieces of crochet doily in there? And then also um, three dimensional, nice. where it, the fibers have been cut mm -hmm. to reveal the layers underneath. So we're going to have a lot of fun with the, with the felt. I can't wait for that. <laughs> And, and so for those people that never heard of Nuno felting before, can you briefly explain exactly what it is? Sure. The term Nuno is actually a Japanese word that just means fabric. It became popularized um, by a gal out of Australia. Her name slips my, my mind right now. Um, and her assistant was Japanese, and that's they decided to use the, the term Nuno um, basically to indicate the laminating of the felt. It can refer to 
just wool on wool or wool combined with fabric. The techniques I'm going to teach are just with the wool, except for that last one where I added lace and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's other people that work with um, laminating the wool to a piece of sheer fabric like silk or uh, gauze, that type of thing. Anything that has a weave big enough for the fibers to migrate through and grab onto each other. Uh, the other, uh, actually before the gal in Australia, uh, probably about 10 years before that, the Eastern Europeans were already playing heavily with this, and they call it laminating. Oh. So if you want to do a little research, um, look up also laminating wool, and you'll get a bunch of uh, Russian and Ukraine sites, mm -hmm. but many of them have gorgeous step-by-step -step pictures, so you can find a lot of information and ideas there. They're just doing some phenomenal full garment pieces, um, using the qualities of the wool to actually shape the garments, which I will talk about as well. Oh, I'm excited. I, I'm actually follow a Russian artist that makes coats. And yes. It's just gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Now, how complicated is this for people to follow along to to learn the um this this scarf that i'm wearing this is probably one of my most popular classes done with the silk hankies and my um seven and ten year old grandkids have made them without problem mm -hmm. um so anybody anybody can do it and it's not as messy but a lot of people think oh it's wet it's soapy it's going to be messy you don't need a lot of special tools i'm going to start with stuff that you can find, basic bubble wrap and pool noodles, and you'll be good to go. And then we'll advance into, for people that want to do this more, some of the other tools that you could invest in to make it faster or easier. Mm -hmm. But it's it's very accessible. That's cool. And for you to make a shawl, for example, how long does it take? Uh, you know, the, the, the felting process itself takes very little time, a half hour maybe. Hmm. But the layout is what takes the time. And you get, uh, depending on how complicated you make the layout, it could take me a half day to lay something out or, um, you know, something where there's many layers and the resist work. Uh, then the actual felting, no time at all. And then um, some finishing work. Okay. For example, with the, um, the technique where I'm talking about resist, you have to go through and do your cuts and then manipulate the fiber more. So you could do something like this piece that I'm wearing in an hour and a half. I teach the class for uh, in a three-hour time period for just this, for a large group. But um, the other techniques may take longer just because of the layout. Okay. Okay. Well, one hour and a half, if I compare to knitting, that's really fast. It is really fast. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I think you have some echo there. Check if your audio is not. It's it's. Do you want me to turn the audio off on my end? No, no, no. Don't do okay. that because we may lose the sound. Okay. For people there, you, you, as people know, you're going to be teaching this course here at Curious Mondo, July 19, uh, 2018. I'm just a hundred years behind. Uh, <laughs> 2018. Uh, what are the basic things that they need to have? to follow you while you give that course? So I think it would be good to have um, some easy to felt wool, which would be merino, uh, is 
especially the lower micron merinos um, in the 19 to 24 range. Um, silk hankies, if you have them, to make this style. But don't worry if you don't have silk hankies because uh, we'll jump right from that into just plain wool techniques. Um, that's probably the most accessible wool to find would be merino, but I'm going to talk about a lot of other wools that work too. Nice. I don't want to overwhelm you with that now. So maybe um, for this scarf, for example, you'd want about an ounce of silk hankies and uh, um, about, I'm sorry, about uh, 10, 10 grams to an, to, uh, a, an ounce of silk hankies and two ounces of wool. Okay. Awesome. And then no. you'll need, uh, oh, sorry. You also need uh, some soapy water. It does not need to be hot. I like to use an oil-based soap like um, olive oil or coconut oil soap. And um, I just shave up the bar of soap and put it in some boiling water until it softens. And then we'll use that goopy mixture to mix with the water. And some bubble wrap and a piece and a length of pool noodle. And you're good to go. The bubble wrap needs to be as lo longer and wider than the piece you want to make. So if you get the 12-inch bubble wrap, uh, 12, it's 12 inches wide and maybe 6 feet long, you'll get a nice size scarf. That's good. I'm really excited about this class because I think Nunafelt is just gorgeous. Now, you're also going to give the class on how to ply, correct? Yeah. We're going to ply with thread and all the fun things that you can do with that. Um, so tell me more about that. What type of people are interested in plying yarn? Is this only for spinners? Well, it can, spinners um, would be making it, but it, it doesn't matter if you have um, a spindle or a spinning wheel. Uh, many of the techniques that I teach can be done on, on both. Uh, of course, it may be a little more complicated on a spindle. I will be teaching with a spinning wheel. Um, so the people that would be making this would be spinners. That would be who would be probably most interested. But knitters might be interested to see how they're made, too, and get into the spinning. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the things that we'll be doing, I'm hoping you'll be able to pick this up on camera, um, the beads and sequins in there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's another one that's got, gosh, just a little bit of everything in it. There's beads and sequins and wow. funky other yarns. This one has Lurex thread applied mm -hmm. in it, the silver, as well as there's, there's rayon thread in there, too, for texture. I don't know if you can see the little mm -hmm. bits of pink. This one shows off that texture a little bit more. It has pink and orange threads. And this is an, called the auto wrap technique, where it just kind of winds on willy-nilly. It mm -hmm. gives you all great textures. Um, here's another bulky yarn that I've done with some sequins. Just a few here and there. And it's not necessary to add, of course, all these um, additional pieces. Uh, I want to show you this one. This is... My favorite. This has got feathers in the yarn. Yes, that's unique. And these so are feathers. What would you make with one of these? So I use this for um, the band on a hat or maybe a collar piece or the cuffs. Um, nice, sometimes beautiful. I just 
wear it around my neck as a necklace. <laughs> here's another here's another one with feathers that are the natural color of feathers. That's gorgeous. First time I've seen uh, yarn with feathers, and I go to a lot of fiber festivals. It's a lot of fun. The thread plying is awesome. There's so many reasons to do it. You can, um, well, for, for one, you can extend your yardage because instead of, um, if you've spun four ounces of fiber, for example, if you're going to ply that together, you now have how many yards you have. But if you ply it with thread, now you've got that full length of yardage. You can add strength. You can add, of course, all the add-ins that we talked about. And you can change the texture and feel of the yarn, too. And how long does it take you to make one skein of yarn like that? That, again, depends on the technique. If I'm just going to ply a uh, fine single with like say a lace weight that I used in, in this sweater. Mm -hmm. Can you see? Oh, look at that. So that's actually uh, been, it's a merino cashmere fiber that I dyed and it's been plied with thread and you can barely see the thread in there, but it gave me a lot more yardage. So that actually goes quite fast. It takes less time to, uh, to make it than uh, I normally would spend on because I'm not having to, spin as much fiber my mm -hmm. plying thread is already spun for me now if I'm doing something like the feather technique which has a lot of hand manipulation and you have to work slowly that's going to take a lot longer to oh, do is this something that a beginner spinner can do absolutely a beginner spinner as long as you uh can ply a continuous length and um, spin a continuous length and have some experience plying, you can definitely ply with thread because all you're doing is switching out one strand of your spun fiber for a thread. Mm -hmm. And I'll be talking about how to choose the right thread, um, how different ways to hold your hands to get different techniques. But yes, a beginner uh, can do that as long as you can spin a continuous length and you have some, have plied some then you're good to go. Then you're good to go. You know, I find it fascinating because I'm, I don't spin, but I have a ton of friends that do. And that seems to be a very addicting thing, right? It is. It's, um, I, I regularly say that the spinning community saved my life. I was in, not in a good place mentally and physically um, at the time that I started spinning. And a friend encouraged me to go to a guild meeting and... They, the community embraced me. They got me going. I, I highly recommend anybody that thinks they even might be interested, find your local guild and go check it out. Mm -hmm. It's just a wonderful community. But the act of spinning itself, it's my go-to for de-stressing. If I'm uptight, I sit down for 15 or 20 minutes and it just melts away. And I can do it while I'm listening to an audiobook or watching a movie except for action movies, because I'm not really looking, but don't tell my husband. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing, it, this is a very good point, because a lot of people, uh, when they are around any artist, they, they come and say, oh, I don't have the patience for that, or it takes too many skills. And what some people don't get is that creating something is just a way for you to distress uh, I don't know if that's the correct word, but 
take away the stress that you have during the day. We live very hectic lives. We are overstimulated all the time. Most of us are very busy. And so we need something really to create a buffer and allow us to deal with our emotions, with our you know, inner self. So what you said is very good. It can really save a life. I really, I agree. I totally agree with that. Uh, even if you have no plans to knit or weave, just the act of spinning itself. And you can make your own spindle with a piece of dowel and or a chopstick and a couple of CDs and they work just fine. Oh, really? So, yeah, I encourage, we, we go and demonstrate and teach kids all the time. So, you know, it's fun. Uh, the very first time I was introduced to spinning, I was actually in a storytelling festival and there were some spinners doing a demo. And I really thought, who does this, right? It looks like it's a fairy tale kind of activity. <laughs> but then I found the local guild. And I mean, we're actually meeting tonight. They usually have 40 to 60 people there. And from all the groups that I go, that, that's one that I enjoy the most. It's super fun, and I don't spin. I'm always the outcast there. But I have so much fun going and seeing what they make. And, yes. I, and, I, and I get today, which I didn't before, that if I was a knitter or crochet, I would like to create my own yarn and yes. because it's just a lot more fun. Yeah, I do hear, we do hear a lot, oh, why would you do that? That's a dying art. And I say, I beg to differ. There are so many people doing this. You just mm -hmm. don't know about it. And yes. um, lots of uh, men and young boys, too, which is really awesome. Mm -hmm. I love, um, I just love introducing new people to it. Uh, and even like you said, as, as a fiber person who's not spinning, you have a new appreciation for the fiber that you're working with, for the yarn that you're working with, when you know how it's made, what goes into it. And then, of course, you go down the rabbit hole that I've gone down where I'm doing breed studies and mm -hmm. trying to find out what, what wool is going to be the best for socks and what's going to be the best for a sweater. And how do I spin it? Can I, does, do I need to spin it differently for one versus the other? Uh, and then, of course, then I start designing my own patterns. <laughs> so yeah. it just bigger and bigger. But the community is one of the best aspects. I totally agree with you on that. It really You know, is. when you mentioned about dyeing art, I go to many guilds locally, many actually. And the spinning guild is one of the few that I see younger people coming. Yes. we uh, The guilds that I belong to here... Um, and I'm just south of Seattle. Uh, and I, there are guild meetings in Seattle, but I don't go to those regularly. Mm -hmm. uh, we have everywhere from six-year-old to 86-year-old in the guild. And this one thing brings us all together. And it's mm -hmm. so lovely. It's so wonderful. That's fantastic. So the plying yarn, you are also going to be here in Utah. Uh, given the course at Curious Mondo in July. Uh, what do people need to have around if they want to try to make what you're making in class? Um, I would suggest having a variety of different kinds of thread, and that can be anything from uh, embroidery threads, um, sewing threads. 
I use uh, rayon uh, 30 weight thread, which is a little bit stronger than standard sewing thread. But to start out with any of those, you can also use heavier threads like a 22 silk. And what that means is that it's um, a two ply and it's uh, a 20 weight, which is thicker. With with threads, the smaller the number, the, the fatter the the strand is. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also things like um, novelty yarns are fun to work with. These techniques work with that too. So you could spin one kind of your single yarn out of oh, your wool and then ply it with an, a commercial yarn. Commercial lace weight yarns work. So dig through your stash and find these things. The first part of the course I will talk about um, all the different things that you can try. Um, you might want to have some beads and some sequins and feathers, and I'll show you how to prepare the feathers uh, to put those in. And then we'll also talk about different ways to use the finished yarns. As far as um, the spinning it wool, your wool strand, or it could be alpaca, whatever you want that you've spun up, um, we'll talk about how how much twist you would want to put in to make it work. But to start out with, just uh, whatever you normally spin and, and some thread, and then we'll go from there. I know we already have a lot of people that have reserved their seats for your course. Fabulous. Uh, I suggest everybody to go to Curious Mondo and reserve the seats so you get the announcement. All the courses at Curious Mondo when we are live, of course, you guys can watch for free, so you shouldn't miss this. But Alison, people that want to check you before you come here, see the things that you sell, do you have a website, a place that they can check? I do. It is. Can you see my coffee mug? Let's see. <laughs> oh, look at that. Fleabersfarm.com. I don't know That's if the lighting's good on that. Yeah, Fleabersfarm.com. Yes. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Allison. Any final words for people that are thinking about Nuno felting or start spinning, plying their own yarn? You know, even if you're not ready, you don't have the materials, come and watch the class because you may become inspired uh, to get those pieces together. And the beauty of Curious Mondo is you can purchase it later if you decide, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I would like to, now I'm ready, I want to try it and follow along. It's yeah. definitely something that you could do with your friends or do by yourself. You don't need a lot of space. And it'll be fun. It's all about the fun. Yes, that's true. It's all about the fun. I'm really excited to have you here in Utah. I can't wait for that. But, you know, I hope you have a nice Thanksgiving. And thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you, Shahar. It's been great. I hope to talk to you all again soon. And find me again at fleabersfarm.com. I'm on Facebook also, Fleabers Farm. And um, I will see you there. And I'm happy to answer questions ahead of time, too. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for being here live with us. I really appreciate that. Next week, we have another amazing artist, this time from Canada. So make sure you tune back here on Facebook page for Curious Mondo at 2.30 Mountain Time on next, next Tuesday. Okay? I'll see you then. Thank you so much. Here is Creativity in Focus, where we highlight artists and their amazing creations. See you next time.
are you how are you doing this week? 